When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back at it again, Design Huddle, the podcast where two internet friends talk about what's new in tech and design. Mustafa, we are talking web site interfaces and how to make them you know, more easy, more scannable. So this is like a very popular trend of like the importance of getting into headlines and how to be more concise. It gets into UX writing, but it's a broad topic but UX design, sc- scanning for readers and designing for readers. Um, what are your thoughts? Where do we start? Okay, so I mean, we wanted to look at uh, some of the, I suppose, um, incorrect things that we've been taught over the years. So I mean, way back when there was this term called uh, above the fold and it comes from print. And it's basically when you had broadsheet newspapers, um, the ad that sat above and the way they were folded the ad that sat above the fold was more premium so that's because people would see it when it was naturally folded in their hands and so when you open up the newspaper the ad that appeared below the fold was less worth worthy and this term because a lot of web designers in the early days transitioned from graphic design they started bringing over these terms which didn't really make sense in the web so this term above the fold has consistently been about and so this brought about this idea that people don't scroll and people, the way people read is because they comes from this very print um, ideology that we've had. And so looking at some research, what we find is there's actually two types of readers. Like you have the, the scanners, which make up a large portion. I think it's like um, 50 to 60 percent from what I can remember from like this uh, study that was done with Slate and other news websites. Um, and the scanners type readers, which make up a majority, what they do is they look at the header they'll look at sort of like pull out quotes maybe some of the images just to almost to get an idea whether they should commit to reading uh, and maybe just try and grab bits and pieces so you also have to understand the context of people reading they might be doing some research they might be trying to back up their claims because you know when people have arguments like i know that this is the truth of blah and let me try and find that one article that i found on search and they're basically scanning and a lot of people treat the web as this kind of utility of backing up their their whatever be it students, people, people in a bar, well, you don't have bars anymore. Um, so you have those th- those as a type of uh, readers who scan. And so they will be scrolling across the whole page. This idea of above the fold doesn't make sense in this context. It's more about strategically picking out key parts of your content that will actually uh, allow the people to scan, to use it in this way. It's not like a good or a bad thing. This is the behavior. And what we want to do is when we're designing stuff is wrap around existing behavior. The other type of um, readers is what they're called methodical readers. So they're actually going to go through piece by piece and read the entire thing. Um, And which is another thing where we assume the short uh, bite-sized articles are what everyone wants. In some cases, it's true. Like um, when you're reading on a bus or whatever, you have a short amount of time. And so like what Medium does is they'll do like how long an article takes to read. And so more people read. So for the scanners, that's perfect. 
But what we're finding and what I'm seeing more and more, not just in design, but just generally, the long-form conversations people really cherish. And I think the podcasting world has seen, like, you know, especially like the most um, biggest podcast is like Murder Mystery, if I'm not correct. Like, yeah, the murder. yeah. Um, I got into podcasts through the Murder Mystery uh, serial. Like, I literally, that was the first podcast. And then you just go down. There's so many good Murder Mystery podcasts. But, but yeah, anyways, derailing, but... Um, or yeah, like you ahead. look at say Joe Rogan, yeah. Um, he will meet with all manner of type of people, like from all, and two three hour conversations, and people are listening because sometimes you have like these really complex subjects that you do it such a huge injustice by, by saying here's the top ten things of blur, you know. And yeah. so long form and the methodical people who are really into the subject, and usually it's a small portion. But in terms of monetization and that sort of thing, usually that's the audience that you want if you're selling content or if you're in the game of being like a, um, what do you call it, an influencer. You like, It's better to have uh, like a thousand buying customers than a million just viewers, right? So it's like having this target. And I think the methodical reader is kind of that sort of person where you're doing long form. So when designing content on your website, you really want to be thinking about these two type of use cases and these two type of users. Um, like the BuzzFeed thing is quite good. If you, it's almost like if you're trying to get news out there and maybe do something viral. Um, but then if you want to do something meaningful, that's very deep in depth, then having the methodical. And I've seen some content creators, they do both. So on YouTube, you see this, like you do yeah. like the small clips and then the long interview. And it's almost two different audiences that it's caters for. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So I no, I, I think I mean it's a it's a it's a really interesting topic for a lot of reasons, and you can go a lot of different ways. I think we're seeing a trend in social media to these uh, scannability, the scanner audience. Um, Gen Z millennials tend not to read. That's why the story format's super popular. That's why on Instagram you'll see these uh, slideshows that are basically minimal text, high visuals. We use it on our own Insta handle. They're very popular because you can get, spend two minutes and have a general idea of a topic. The concern there is that sometimes, and I review these, um, like I think you're missing a lot of the meat that comes there. Like a lot of these yeah. topics have nuance and there's exceptions to the rules and their edge cases. There's like things that need to be more thoughtful. So I agree. I think it's a balance. And if I like, you know, as a, as someone that's like a, amateur content creator i think that long form is where you start that's where you anchor you know you anchor and then you can always chop it up and create clips um, again those can be taken out of context but if they're well produced and you give a lot enough visual cues and you have like you know closed captioning there's a lot of different other ways you can you can get get about it but one, one thing i wanted to flag you and i wanted to get your reaction to this is there's a quote that i i wanted to pull um so you know, there was a question asked of like scannability and why this is important. So about a decade ago, Jacob Nielsen answered the question, how people read on the web. And yeah. the answer was simply, they don't. People rarely read web pages word by word. Instead, they scan the page, picking out individual words and sentences. Since then, it hasn't changed much. We aren't like ready to invest our time and effort into exploring the website if it doesn't correspond to our needs. So I wanted to also get your thoughts you know, during my career, like I've always felt like UX writing was kind of like important, but I didn't really value it that much. 
Um, But I think the art of writing a good headline um, and subtitles is so important, but typically missed from designers. I'm just curious, like, do you have any experience with that? Is there anything you've learned from good UX writers you've worked with? Yeah, well, I mean, just writers. I remember before, way before I was working in big tech, I worked in what they call the um, the third sector, which is basically the charity NGO sector. This was like the, ma- the major thing which I worked on early on in my career. Yeah. And um, so I had this idea that I was, you know, would only ever work for social organizations, never never big corporates. That was all evil. And <laughs> I changed very quickly when I realized how much we get paid. Um, but I was lucky enough to work with two amazing writers. Like they were writers from like the, in the same way that I was always into art, they were always into writing. One actually was a published poet as well, and we used to do like this training courses for young kids, um, teaching them how to write. So we had this um, template where we would work with. I don't know what the correct term is now, but we it was used to be known as disadvantaged background folks, so kids, homeless people, people suffering from mental health difficulties. And so what the the formula that we had is we would create a pop magazine that would highlight stories that affect these things. It'll be like interviews, news, tips, and all this stuff, like made like lifestyle magazines or design, whatever magazines. And in the process of creating the magazine, um, we would teach the kids about journalism, about design, about writing, about the key things. And so it was almost like an apprenticeship. They had an applied thing at the end of it, a, a physical magazine that they could take to maybe a university if they wanted to go and do this as a, as a career, or maybe even a job like a starting foot so it was like a really great formula that we had um and so on the writing courses like the thing that the first thing that um which surprised me is that one of the writers said is like the best writers are usually tabloid newspapers like if you look at the way tabloid newspapers write the first paragraph um will say the entire story in a hundred words and that is such a phenomenal skill like this is something you have to develop and it's It's like crafting a good tweet yeah exactly like and almost like i remember there was one journalist recently um she was talking about how twitter helps her become a better writer because you have to condense everything into 150 characters have you ever seen those like uh mega threads where it's like basically people telling stories but i i I, I hate them unless it's really important like something (laughs) that's going on that explains like you know the spread of covid for example where it's like in that moment you're trying to find something out and sure yeah i i think this is another thing which I wanted to talk to you about. Actually, I'm trying to come up with the correct term for it. The best phraseology I could come up with is user fudged experiences. And what that means is you're trying to design, like uh, you're seeing users do something really weird with your product and you're trying to figure out why. Uh, and we actually did um, one of the, uh, the slideshows on, on Instagram. I think I may have posted it. One of us posted it. And the idea is trying to find these experiences is quite interesting where you see users are like writing the part i think i mentioned this before writing their password on a sticky right. and sticking on their laptops like the user fudge experience you're it you're it's clearly they're showing what they're trying to do you're not catering for so they're hacking it another example is i think um email discovered that people were saving really large attachments before dropbox and google drive existed and what they found was they're basically transferring files and they're using email attachments as a means to do that and so, like, you're seeing this behavior and people are trying to do something. They can't articulate what they want to do because that product doesn't exist. And the moment, say, Dropbox appeared, it was like this amazing piece of technology. Oh, my God, I don't need to carry zip disks or CDs or all these, like, USB drives anymore. I just put something and my computer is no longer this isolated device. It's this interconnected thing where my files travel with me. I mean, that was, like, revolutionary back in 2010. Now it's the norm, right? We expect this. Right. 
Um, so like this user fudged experience is the phrase I'm trying to um, uh, come up with and I've completely patent, lost my trailer. Patent for. pending. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I tried to come up with the phrase like user hacked experience, but that doesn't, that implies other stuff. Um, yeah. The point I'm trying to make or try and get getting to is that, um, yeah, I mean, the, the threads on Twitter, that seems to me like a perfect example of user fudged experience. People trying to do something, but Twitter hasn't figured out the pattern for that. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for them, it's like Twitter should just adopt like a medium, like uh, almost like a bio site that you could link out to for more long form blog posts, like a web experience. Yeah. Because like to, to, to me, title. if you're going more than a tweet, I, I, I also don't do not like the, the super threads. I'd rather link to a medium article and then read the medium article with like, you know, the four points that someone's trying to make. Um, I, it tends to get lost. And there's also like the thing that you have to, um, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but like when you're doing that on Twitter, you have to have like the engagement to make the posts go above the comments, right? Because if someone liked the comment before the next post, wouldn't it go post top comment and then your second point? That's know. like my. I think it. That was my understanding that it was like they bumped the top, the top, like highest engaged tweet to the top. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a very, chaotic, like chaotic experiences or user chaotic. I don't know. User fudged experience seems to be the most. I mean, we need to do like a slideshow explaining this on on Instagram, yeah. coming soon to a, a, a <laughs> post near you. Um, yeah, but going back to like, uh, the, this course that these journalists used to do, um. And they give the example of like what's important in, in writing and how you emphasize it. So say if, if, if you were to write, you know, dog bites man, that's not that really interesting. But if you write man bites dog, then that tells you like, you know, and it's like how you actually concise an entire story about a man biting a dog into like a very like, you know, and giving quite a lot of um, detail into that and how focusing on your words and like what I do actually for the... Um, Instagram posts that we've been doing together, like we just for, um, you know, transparency. Well, like we we write these things, like snippets of design and chuck it on Instagram. But what I've been doing is opening up Grammarly, which is like the writing tool, and that's helped me so much because I'm dyslexic, so I miss out on so much incorrect grammar. So spelling your and you are like incorrectly, um, right. affect affect. You know, like my grammar yeah, is just yeah, um, that's a. I mean, it is a pretty awesome plugin. Um, yeah, I, no, I, mean, well, I open up the actual browser, and what I do is I write a whole bunch of stff that I want to say, and then sort of like open up Figma to design these um, templates, and then so you write, and then so get it bullet point, and then take it back into Figma, and because it's like you've got this concise amount of space that you want to put in there, you start thinking, okay, now it's like first part is making sure the flow and grammar makes sense as a as a bullet point story, and then it's like okay, how can we make this even more concise? So taking that back into Figma and think, okay, what can we simplify the language here? The oh, other okay. thing is, I think why scannability is probably quite popular on the web is a large portion of the web is speaking English as a second language. And a language of the web is predominantly English. Um, it's, maybe it's changed in terms of volume. I mean, it's a hard way to assess because if we're talking about volume, it's probably one of the Chinese languages or Indian languages, like because just by volume of people. But in terms of widely spoken, English is the language of the web. Um, so therefore, when people are trying to learn something, there's an added incentive to make it scannable and simplified so that more people can understand, as well as the algorithms that translate things, which will do better if the language is simple as well. Um, 
but yeah no i mean again this is all context like if you're if you're trying to um renew your mortgage or do insurance you don't really want like here's top tips to blah blah you want the is am i covered if someone falls in my house am i covered if you know the building falls down you want to know like this and this is not something that you can really scan yeah um and like the thing which i learned working with writers is how imp- how hard it is to see um good writing because you just take it for granted and how you know it's bad writing almost immediately like bad grammar is like just pops out and when i spoke to like conversational designers this is like a good conversational design with say like a google home or an alexa or whatever um it's quite you don't see a good conversation because it's just natural it's when it breaks down you notice it and i think the same thing happens in writing um and so yeah no so this article about scannables and methodical writers it kind of gave me hope that there are <laughs> people who really want to read um, it also breaks from some of these silly rules that we used to have. Like I remember back in days, like hey, you have to get within three clicks, or people will get tired, and um, there could only be seven links on a web page. Like all this stuff is like pretty much rubbish now. We you know from like twenty years of working on the web, so people do scroll. They're more likely to scroll because they're scanning. Um, and yes, yeah, so so I, really I, yeah. I mean, how are your what's your experience on work experience involves design teams as well as like the business. So, like, how can your website improve some sort of business goal? So scannability also is directly tied to like yeah. business goals. So if users can complete tasks quicker and achieve their goals, users understand like that's why it's really important to have good, you know, structure and navigation so you can quickly find what you're looking for. Um, and it also gets into stuff that's yeah. very like basic web metrics like bounce rates decrease. The chance of retaining a user is higher. The website gets more credibility because it looks more professional and polished and you don't see walls of text. Um, so there's a lot of benefits of doing this. I think the, um, I, I, a little part of me thinks that this is generational. There's a reason that we get a new Vine, TikTok type social media site. It feels like every two years, another one comes out where they're just short videos. So, but you reckon that's just generational? That's not necessarily um, an international audience as well. Like, cause yeah, one thing I discovered um, is like when I was in, I went to to speak at an event in Dubai once, and it sounds really like posh or whatever. It's like, you know, these international <laughs> jet sets. Um, and I noticed one of the 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 guy, one of the speakers, he kept on like speaking into like WhatsApp and recording. And I'm like, it, it looks so suspicious. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? like why don't you just type because well the arabic language is really hard to type because there's so many dialects and when you're typing the keyboard is mm. not really designed for the arabic language and so what's very common in the middle east is people send recorded voice messages as a way of sending messages and the same thing happens in um, asian countries as well because when you've got this many characters it's hard it, this idea of like the way the writing works or the characters work don't really translate that well so my, again, this is all assumption, right? My assumption is the reason why those apps, like TikTok comes from China, right? It works because, again, the user-fudged experience of keyboards doesn't work in that environment. Again, this is all theory, <laughs> complete, like, made up. So, therefore, video form and sort of this entertainment works much better because that's how they communicate. Smileys, recorded videos or audio. So, therefore, maybe 
like I suppose Vine doesn't really count because that was like yeah. the West, I guess. But I, I mean, it's a it's a very fair like, like, hypothesis. I think that makes sense. So it could be generational. It could be just like you know the world is flat and we keep maybe know, tailoring. Tough. Yeah, we yeah, don't hate on no, totally, I mean, I I totally get it. Um, I do think there's. Uh, I don't want to get into like the dark UX of auto loading and the kind of like all the patterns of just like the continuous scroll, but. Um, I wanted to end this episode on scannability with some tips on improving scannability because a lot of the feedback that we've gotten in previous episodes is just like, love the topic. Like, what can we do as designers to like, you know, fix these things? So there's yeah. a few that I have and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you and then we can wrap up this episode. But so some tips on improving yeah, sure. scannability. I think number one, prioritize the content with a visual hierarchy. So basically, you know, arrange and organize the content on the page, which is the most natural for human, like, you know, for human perception. So a lot of this might be like, you know, looking at the size, the color, the contrast, the proximity. The other thing that I would really be cautious of is the negative space. Like that can be really helpful in, you know, making sure that titles uh, pop out. You can put the core navigation in the website header. Uh, on mobile, I'm a big fan of bridge of actually dropping scannability also works for navigation so i like the on i love when apps and mobile websites bring the menu down closer to the thumbs i'm a huge fan of that we don't see it as much because everyone's used to the hamburger menu and the menu up top but i think that's you know something else is like really making sure that the navigation reflects what the user's goals are there's a ton of good examples but keeping that clear uh, I, I mentioned negative space, but this is also called white space. Uh, it's the area or the layout, which is empty. Yeah. So not only around the objects in the layout, but you're also between them and inside them. So negative space is kind of like the breathing room for all of the objects on the page or the screen. So really make giving that, you know, as much thought as possible. And my last one is just, you know, check the CTA is at least seen at once. So, you know, a lot of web pages are aimed in particular to complete an action. So just making sure that they're clear, they're easy to see, and they're like accessible is the other thing that makes, I think these are just other things to be thinking about, um, you know, from, from a uh, scannability. So I think scannability also goes a lot of hand, in hand with accessibility in, in a lot of ways. So those, are, those yeah. are mine, but any any tips that you have? Well, the one that came to mind was, um, you think about accessibility in screen readers, like one thing that's done in print is to make the scannability of an article in a magazine clearer. They'll do pull-out quotes. Um, the problem with pull-out quotes is what it does is it the uh, screen readers will read the, the text twice, basically, because they read the pull-out quote, and then right. in the article, they'll read it again. And so this pull-out quote sort of thing, I don't think it really works on the web. Like on a magazine, it's like it's, you open it, say you're on an airplane, you open it, and it's there to sort of like maybe be slightly controversial to pull you in, or there's something that's in there that's like, oh... I want to, and then you won't necessarily find it straight away so it forces you to read the whole article and it like entices you in that doesn't really work well on the web especially the way that we read um top to bottom so i'd, I'd be very careful about that um in terms of content type just like if, if the article you're writing is a how-to do a concise box in the front like if this is tips to make something or do something like especially like technical things like you just want to get a person just wants to copy and paste like just how do I make something in yeah. Photoshop? Bang, bang, bang. Like tech tips. You can go in and do much more um, an explanatory thing underneath it, but just really quick um, it is really useful if that's what you're trying to do. Uh, so like bullet points, headers, 
um, embolden things. Make sure the font size is larger than 14 pixels or 14, like, yeah, because it's like anything below that, people struggle. Make sure the color contrast is um, considered uh, because, you know, people will struggle uh, as well. And like characters per line as well, make sure that the typeface that you choose um, allows for like more words. Otherwise, if something's like a narrow paragraph, it, 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 what they call the widows, like it, it becomes yeah, really, those really are obvious. those are those are spot on. Um, yeah, and, and and also know that in the same way that as you as a digital designer, that's a skill. Writing is a skill. So work with a writer is probably the, or like in the same way of research. Like I can research, Ryan can research, but. If you really want yeah. to get an expert and you want it to be really valuable, that's when you have to like. It's the thing of like, you, we could all fudge it together, but there's the line between good and great is the great has the people who yeah. Focus no, on it's brilliant. Things. I think that's awesome. It's um, awesome feedback. So I'm sure this will be a topic we revisit. But um, yeah, scannability. Check. Yeah, the, the fudge experience. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, but yeah, follow us on Instagram. Uh, let us know what topics you want to hear. We're gonna start bringing on some friends and guests from various industries and interviewing them and getting their thoughts on some of these topics. But um, thanks for tuning in today's episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's episode of design huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.